find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Two Daydream Believers podcast. I am your host, Space Orphan 18, and welcome to season four. We've made it to the other side. Um, So, returning with me uh, in this brand new frontier are two returning guests. They'd like to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm RB. I am C. Kerouac on Tumblr. Hello, I am Kalaniac14, also known as Kalaniac14 on Tumblr. All right, welcome back, guys. I do love it that you kind of describe it as like jumping this crevasse, <laughs> like like we've made it across to the other side, guys. <laughs> it is no, and that's it's like I mean, <laughs> it is though. I mean, because like uh, Starkey and I talked oh, quite a bit about it, but there is this divide between seasons one through three and four through six. And season four kicks off what I was essentially, what I, I call a mashup of Glee of the Next Generation and Glee the College Years. And <laughs> it's a new show. It's a new, we are into the second half of the show. I mean, one through three kind of ended with graduation. And I know there are definitely storylines that are continuing, but it feels like a new show. Oh, no, it definitely feels like a new show. Um, it's just the way that it's described really makes me chuckle each time. We should, because I'm trying to be funny. Like, you've made it through the wilderness. You've made it through. So, you know. It's true. Oh, we did make it through. Do. You know how I feel about season three. So, like, we did. You know, you've, you've never been very open about how you feel about season three. So, we may all just be slightly confused. <laughs> Holly, what do you think? Because you just, you were, we were talking beforehand and you said that you binged it. Um, do you, can you feel the differences or what, does it just kind of blend together more so because you saw all of this at the same time? Um, no, I can definitely feel like the divide because like, I think after watching, like especially through season five before season six started, the, that catastrophe, 
Um, I, I definitely could see like one through three was where it kind of ended something and then it kind of grew into something different. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Okay. Um, just some, a little, you know, I think that Harvey, maybe you and I talked about this at the beginning of season three, that every season they kind of have it, the feel of it does each season feels different too. Yeah. And we were talking in season three about how it felt kind of more lighter and cartoonish and whatnot. And this season kind of brings back this dark, gritty feel. Not necessarily like season one, but it's like just the aesthetic is all kind of dark colors. <laughs> I, I do think at least from... So should should be very open about it. This is the first time I've ever seen these episodes. Um, I kind of gave up on things after season three and really only kept in touch with... Um, the Clane parts and the Kurt parts. And so everything about anybody else that was going on, I only know from from GIFs and chats on Tumblr. So, so watching these for this was my first experience with it. And I'm not sure if I got the same, like, dark satire feel as first season, but it did kind of feel like somebody toned down the brightness. Off. That's what I was saying. I mean, I, not necessarily, well, going forward, and it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on it as go forward. There are some definitely adult things going on that there weren't there earlier with the kids anyway. Mm-hmm. But I just mean like aesthetically, everybody's wearing black and everybody's wearing like these dark colors all the time. Yeah. They need, they needed a disco ball. Well, and it's funny because, um, some glitter. When we get to the end of the season, Warbler. <laughs> uh, that's when Ryan Murphy becomes obsessed with the color orange, and bam, it's bright <laughs> colors again. And then we get into season five, which is a whole different feeling. Um, but yeah, this whole season is going to be kind of like all these black and muted colors, a lot of black and white. So yeah, kind of, I don't know. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up is that Mike Quinn, Puck, and Mercedes are not really in this season their story is kind of wrapped up and i personally miss mercedes i think that bringing her back i think that not having her in it was was kind of a sad thing i think she deserved to be in it but um uh, the other three i don't miss so much and i think that quentin puck especially their stories kind of wrap up so i i don't necessarily miss them well quentin yeah. puck storylines wrapped up you know two seasons ago and they should have been allowed to to graduate much earlier than the end of season three i mean they really they really should have been and i know i've said this before um they either should have been graduating people each year to slowly bring in new talent instead of getting it to the bulging super cast that it ended up being or they should have just not differentiated years and kept the same cast for the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So never really even thought about that before, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, we talked about it quite a bit in the, in the other, uh, podcast. So I'm not going to touch too, up on it too much, too much here, but, um, kind of what's going on is that we get these split stories. We get a New York side and we get a, um, uh, a Lima side. And I really should, I'm sorry, I should have said the beginning for those of you that, I don't know, weren't, I don't know, haven't read it yet. We are covering new Rachel and Brittany 2.0 today, guys. So 
Um, but uh, uh, starting right off, we have a New York side and a Lima side now. And um, the show for a long time feels like it is that they, they, they aren't sure what they kind of want to do with this new concept because as we talked about in previous podcast, Brian Murphy had this vision for changing the cast every year and that didn't really work out. So this is kind of a compromise and these things at the beginning, I don't know necessarily if they mesh all that well, um, right off the bat, you, it feels very much like the show was trying to be two different things at the same time, especially in these early season four episodes. Oh yeah. It very obviously felt like two very different shows. Uh, in the same episode as I was watching. It was very strange. It's a little whiplashy, you know, and especially because the only one in this new, what, what in the first episode feels like a New York side story is just Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the rest of what feels like real glee, which is, it's very strange. And at the same time though, you don't have, it, it, more so in the new Rachel, um, you don't have the characters that you're used to either. So, I mean, Tina and Sam and, and Blaine and, and Artie were always kind of background characters. So you have like nobody that you're used to focusing on, on the, the, the Lima side. So it just makes it feel just everything about this new first episode to me. Anyway, it always feels really strange. Like, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Ollie. That's like- no, I, yeah, I definitely get that too. Because while I was watching it, it it kind of just felt like it was, I don't know, almost like struggling. And it, I don't know if it was just it. It's probably because like you're missing like those main like cast members that we're always used to. So yeah, yeah, it felt lost. Like it didn't know what it was trying to be. And for a for a season premiere, it was not very engaging. No. You know, it didn't feel like anything terribly big happened. It didn't feel like there was a giant hook that was going to pull me in. I was kind of bored, which is not good for a season premiere. This is what's <laughs> supposed to convince you to watch the rest of the the rest of the year. Yep. Well, let's get into the new Rachel stuff and let's start with, well, first of all, You've got the new Rachel, the title, new Rachel. Um, it refers to three different things. Um, it refers to Rachel being the new, a new version of herself. It refers to, and we'll get into this in a minute, um, about Blaine being the new Rachel, who there's been a lot of comments, uh, commentary on that. And then um, Marley, who is the writer's attempt at a new Rachel. So um, yeah. all sorts of new Rachels. But also... New Rachel, new show. Again, I'm going to talk about this a lot in the beginning of season four. This is a different show than what had come before it. And I think this, that just the new, the title even was like, Hey, this is not what you're used to. This is a new, this is new territory. Here we go. So, talking about Rachel's part, New York, she is alone in New York and she's kind of got Here's a question for you, um, Arby. Do you yeah. think it worked, her being alone in New York? Do you think that um, it would have been better if she had been set up with Kurt and with Mercedes or Santana or whatever going forward? I mean, because she's only alone for one episode, and the intention is to 
have her being on the, you know, the low being on the totem pole and, and really struggling, but if they're only going to do this for one episode, does it really work? So as a, as an overall idea, only having it for one episode, I don't think works, but I think if we look at it just in the context of the new Rachel, I enjoyed her being alone. And I also really enjoyed Cassie July. Like, I really enjoyed Rachel getting a tall glass of this is how it is. Um, Because it's not something that we had seen earlier in the show, especially considering how she got into Niada. Um, In season three, I thought that her her choking was going to be the tall glass of this is how it is. And it turns out to not be. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that for once there was a teacher who wasn't going to molly wasn't going to molly coddle her and so as a singular episode and as the idea of her being alone i liked that i liked seeing her struggle i thought it was high time that she that she struggled with something i've never been a huge fan of cassie only because i have a hard time with mean people oh i thought she was hilarious (laughs) i I just didn't You're going to have something to hold on to for the season. Um, she's only actually in five <laughs> episodes. Hilarious. But, um, uh, but uh, you know, when I was watching through again myself, I, there were a couple of things that I appreciated that she said, which, which was like, you know, two of you or only two of you are going to make it. The rest of you are all going to like, and a lot of times in performing arts is actually very true. Um, mm-hmm. So it is a bit of a, a you know, um, this is the real world type thing. We haven't seen Rachel have to work for anything yet. We haven't seen her do something where she was not already pretty good at it. We've never seen her want something that she is starting from the bottom at. Because everything that we've seen in the past three seasons as her singing, we can't deny she has a lovely voice. So she's starting from that um, at that point. We can't deny that Will decided that she was God's gift to show choir or to musical theater. So she was already starting um, from a much higher spot in that. Um, We have to say, even when she choked, she... (laughs) She still got it by just harassing somebody and not actually having to work for it. So we had that. When you look at uh, West Side Story, you know, other people were ostensibly better than her. But because of her position within the narrative, um, she didn't have to work for it as hard. So I really enjoy the idea that she's going to struggle because it's a very it's a very true thing that uh, a lot of people who go off to the next phase of whatever, be it college or auditions or that first job, you know, coming from a small town like Rachel does and being the top shit in that town and not realizing that everybody else in your program with you was the top shit in their town. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not coming from a place of uh, automatic victory anymore and I think that that was like Cooper says a tall glass of this is how it is 
Um, I do have another question. There's a couple more uh, serious Rachel points I want to make, but before we get to that, I didn't have this in my notes. Do you, did you sense, and this is like every time, how do I put this? For whatever reason, all the Cassie and Rachel scenes, it feels like a prelude to some kind of lesbian porno. Yeah! <laughs> she was a, she was a much more engaging uh, pairing than whatever you know that white bread boring guy was in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't even remember his name, and I literally watched the episodes last night. It's Brody, and we'll talk about Brody in just a second. But I just whatever every time yeah, not interesting at all. But I could totally get down with Rachel and Cassie. Tango de Roxanning it out through uh, this fake school that they are both at. We'll talk more <laughs> about it in Brittany, but I do need to bring up the oops, I did it again stuff because like, <laughs> like, yeah. this is going to like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm down with it. I thought that was great. <laughs> um, so more serious note, uh, let's talk about Brody for just a second. Oh uh, God. Um, what is it with the show and hijacking people in the shower? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because it happened again here. Like, why can people not shower in peace? Yeah, it's like everyone just wants to perv on everyone in the shower. Right. <laughs> well, and it's a, um, it's a, it's like you can only discover talent in the shower, <laughs> which makes me also wonder what kind of talents they're discovering. <laughs> Well, Brody is going to be Rachel's love interest for the next 17 episodes, and... Oh, he's so boring. He is. He is. Does he get more interesting? No. Well, I mean... Uh Oh, yeah. There's a tidbit. But not really. I mean, I know, but I'm kind of hoping that he'll... Nah, man. It won't. (laughs) You don't (laughs) expect too much from it. Um, (laughs) The reason I want to bring up Brody, though, is because... He kind of talks to her about this, like, finding the new you. And it's something that I I didn't understand the first time I watched it, maybe because I was too angry about so many other things. I wasn't paying much attention to it. (laughs) But Rachel's story in season four, which it's grown on me over the years, um, is about her trying to be an an adult. And she pushes herself too far, and she kind of utterly fails by the end of season four, um, right in time to get you know, Fanny on in um, Funny Girl. Um, so it's an interesting arc that she gets. And um, it does, uh, we'll talk about Kurt in, in a minute, but it kind of wraps up in with what Kurt's doing throughout this entire season because it's really the two of them kind of going through very similar things but dealing with it in different ways. So I'm going to be talking probably a lot more about Rachel's story, but not in a, like, I'm frustrated and angry and I hate it way that I was with season three. Um, I love that so much of this is, well, I've gotten past the rage goggles. So (laughs) for so, for so many of us on this podcast, I feel like there's a point where every single one of us has had a point of, well, now that I can get past the rage goggles for, for whatever character or storyline or season that was the inducement to, you know, each of us. And that wasn't just me over and over to it. Okay. <laughs> Again, we've never heard how you felt about season three. So, <laughs> <sighs> but I mean, I, I also don't think that it's a terrible thing for 
her to try to reinvent herself. You know, that's what college and young adulthood and the rest of adulthood is for, you know? Who are you? Who do you want to be? Because coming from Lima, Rachel both put herself in a box and those around her put herself in a box. So that it was very hard for any of them to change who they were between, you know, 15 and 16. You know, uh, they had decided, well, you're the one who's good at singing. You're the one who has a beautiful cry face. You're the one who can belt out songs and really should be given solos if the world was fair, but the world is not fair. And unfortunately, Mercedes, you're just going to have to go and sing backup for Beyonce while you're an adult. (laughs) My rage goggle with that apparently has not, uh, has not lifted. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) Mercedes got shafted. Um, But I think that the idea of her experimenting and trying to figure out who she is, is great. And it's something that really should be included in any any college storyline. Well, and I think going forward, it'll be interesting to see you watch the New York side. I, I think that the New York side, unfortunately, doesn't feel as full or filled out in the way McKinley does, because obviously we've been with McKinley for three years. Um, but I think it does eventually, especially when we get to season five. I think that it's much better handled. Um, but, however, um, and again, I, I'm kind of saving Kurt stuff for last in, in this particular episode. Um, going back to McKinley, though, we have... Um, we have... The, the seniors now. And, um, yeah. yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about Tina and Sam and Artie and Blaine and Blaine outside of claim, because this is the first time. So I have a question about all of this, about the McKinley new Rachel stuff. Okay. Why are they having a competition between themselves to decide who's the new Rachel? When the old Rachel was decided by will, making a unilateral decision that this was his muse. Shouldn't they just wait until they, till Will decides who his no, muse is? No, and that's the thing. <laughs> like, because, because their decision isn't going to matter. It's not like Will has taken suggestions from anybody else in Glee Club over the past three seasons. Yeah, no, here's what I'm going to um, explain like, a little bit. Like, are, are, are they just expecting that they're going to say, yeah, so we decided as a group, that the yeah. one who you should uh, is going to suck up to you and get all the solos no, is going no, no. to be X. No, this is what happened. Okay, so something that you're, you're going to find about for season four is that Will is kind of non-existent. In fact, he goes away for a good chunk of this, the season, but... Poor Matthew Morrison. This is so not what he signed up for. <laughs> I don't feel that bad about it because Will has, has become such a douche at this point. Um, yeah. But... Um, I just feel for the actor. I don't really feel for the character. True. I feel well, bad for I'm the actor. I feel like I've like grown to hate you. And I think it's because of like Tumblr and like everything, but it's like, yeah, you're right. Oh yeah. It's, it's hard to be a shoe fan on Tumblr. (laughs) And I know that some of them have to exist somewhere because the internet is a vast and scary place. And there are fans of literally everything. (laughs) And so there has to be a corner of shoe fans, but I have never encountered them. And I have encountered people who like weird shit. So they must be pretty well hidden. So what (laughs) what you, what you've got to know going into this is that will kind of goes away. And this group is very, very different than, um, 
than what the old group was. This group kind of eventually more so than it is now because now it's so completely disjointed. Um, sure, but that happens later on. But in the in this first episode, they have no reason to believe that it will be conducted any differently than it was the past three years. But that's the thing. They, these these are the people that have always been ignored. So they're always they're going to take matters into their own hands. Right. So why are so why are they going to hunger games it out so that only one of them is in charge? Wouldn't they, you know, try to spread it out so that they could all for once in their life get uh some attention? No, because no, they, they works. But what what Holly <laughs> I said, that's not how Glee works. That's not how Glee works. Well, and that's not what they're used to. I mean, they're coming out of, you know, I think it's Tina that really kind of instigated this whole thing. But, like, you know, uh, yeah. it, they're coming out of, like, you know, the divas were always fighting, and now we have our new set of divas. But these guys aren't really divas. It's, I mean, Tina is. Yeah. But the rest of them really aren't. And, I mean, as much as Blaine tries to be a diva, poor soul. Um, <laughs> but, and, yeah, they have... Um, they're they're just a just gentler bunch in in general. So, I mean, it kind of was like a pile of puppies yelling at each other, and it was very it was very strange to watch because none of them were very cutthroat. Like you're having this, you know, giant free for all. I'm gonna cut you where you stand, but it's literally puppies just batting at each other's ears. Well, and it's kind of like. They're a listicle on BuzzFeed that's like the top 12 puppies that, you know, are just done with the day. That's literally what they are. Well, and it, it's like you said before, um, they're, they're background characters. We're used to them being background characters. So, like, they're not going to be as, like, strong in, like, personality because we're used to always having the main cast be that. So it's it's kind of going to be, like weird in a sense to see them being that way it was also very weird for me to have Brittany without santana and i'm not a huge yeah. santana fan yeah. but i hadn't realized how much i consider them a unit until this episode where i'm watching it going this feels like something's missing and what was missing was santana next to Brittany. i felt very bad for her you should her ponytail was sad. We'll talk more about that when we get to the Britney episode and feel really, it's really true. sad for her. It's true. Um, let's talk about, uh, just because I want to hit on it, um, Jacob Ben Israel's introduction for the seniors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I know that he is super irritating, but I find the bits with him to be hilarious. Yeah. I find them to be a really good segue each time they do it. I kind of wish that they would have done that as their standard opening for each season. They did. For each season? That, well, one didn't count. So you had two, three, and four. Five was the continuation of the year, so they couldn't. And no. I mean, he would have graduated by season six, so. Mm. Yes, yeah, they did do it for two, three, and four. That's right. I think I forgot for three. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're there. And they're all sassy because they won nationals. But Tina, I want to mention Tina real quick. Um, she Mike dumped her. Um, and also, apparently, they did a tattoo thing with her, too. So, like, the Kurt fixing his, mis, his misguided tattoo was not original. Nope. Man, they really do recycle all the storylines. 
<laughs> we finally forgot about it because it was Tina. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, poor, poor Tina. Tina. Well, poor and Tina. let's see. Tina is very angry through most of the season. And yeah. I don't blame her. <laughs> I mean, I totally get where she's coming from. Because she's talented. I mean, Jenna Oshkowitz is talented. And Tina is talented. And there was no way that she could break through um, from the charging warhorse that is Rachel. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the, he only introduced, oh God, he only does three? Because he only does Artie and, um, and Sam. And yeah. Yeah, I literally just, just I can't remember what he, what he did. Not much. I mean, Artie's cheering about being a national champ, and he's like, oh, look, you're sitting, and, and Artie's like, yeah, I'm usually found sitting. <laughs> and then, yep, Sam, the hobo stripper, from Hobo Stripper, the, like, national champ. Um, Wasn't he doing his voices? He was. He was doing his voices. That's what he does. Um, but they don't, he, yeah, GBI does not inter- um, do an introduction to Blaine or Brittany. So... What did you, um, with, with the subtraction of the clean stuff, what did you think of Blaine in this episode? I mean, I was just very confused about them, just them thinking that their opinion on who the new Rachel was going to be, was going to hold any sway with Will. But Will doesn't so matter. I, at this so point. I was just amused by that the entire time. Yeah. Like he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't like, like, like he doesn't like, he's not like a highlight in that episode for me. It's like, it's not, even though I just watched it like three hours ago, like it's just, he, he he's like in the background to me for some reason. That's yeah. Which for such a charismatic character is a very strange place for him to be. Well, he's yeah. going to be very, very prominent in season four. So uh, it's interesting that he's in such a, such not a whole lot, but you know, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of season two, actually, when Kurt wasn't in the first two episodes at all, but it ended up being a huge season for him. This is kind yeah. of like Blaine's version of Kurt's season two. Kind of ish. Oh, baby. Uh, and then um, I need to mention that Joe and Sugar are still around. Um, <laughs> this is what cracks me up about Joe and Sugar. They're there. They are even more. I mean, it's funny to me that these characters have been here for like a year and they're still way background characters. And they must have had a contract for 15 episodes because they're in every episode. It's almost like a little game like Spot the Joe and Sugar um, until episode 15. All right, they're not in 14, 15. They're in 16. And then you don't see them again until the end of the season. Which is so sad because I think that Sugar is delightful. I mean, she is she is irritating and she is brassy and she is like a terrible human being. And I just love her character. I love Sugar. Joe, I really forget that he exists. But I remember he exists more than I remember the leprechaun. Rory, who's gone. Yeah. Goodbye, Rory. It's like introduction. That, I think that's hilarious when he's introduced. <laughs> it's like when they're in the God Squad. And like yeah. you, when Joe is introduced, like you can hear like Mercedes like whisper his name while they like pan over his like tattoos and his dreads. I think that's just hilarious. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, also, with this whole idea of new Rachel, two more points I want to touch upon. One, call me maybe. I mean, Unique comes in and kind of adds her diva-ishness to it. Um, 
And this is still when she's being called Wade, so they're not quite to the unique part. Full. Maybe after this she is. I don't remember exactly. I'm hoping that unique will grow on me. You know, I, I, I hope so too. I think she's one of the more interesting of the newbies, which I'll, I'll we'll get to that whole mess in a minute. But yeah, because none of the newbies really struck me as terribly interesting from that one, unique included. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that she'll grow on me, mostly because again, one of my favorite gifts in the entire series is the Lima doesn't have a zoo. Why did we think that it did? That is one of my favorite lines for you know ever. So but I, it's in season so five. I, so. I want to I want to fall in love with her. I'm hoping I'm hoping that I, happens. Yeah, I think it will. I, I did. I, I do love her character. Yeah, I do too. So hopefully, hopefully, it'll take a while, but hopefully. Um, this is very strange watching it for the first time. Like I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm not used to not knowing what's going on. It's thrilling. Uh, Call me maybe, um, which is one of my, I you know, and a lot of people hate the song. That's fine. Oh I God, I love this song. I love this song. I love this little deep the the pile of puppies thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're just vying for attention. They're trying they're, to get me to pay attention. They're in like a baby pen and they are just, you know, pushing each other out for attention for the one person who's sitting in there. Yes. Which is Artie of all <laughs> But I love this song. This song is just so bubblegummy happy. I know. That I can't turn away like I sing along with it every time that I hear it in any way shape or form because I can't help myself I you know I should try and link to it that I have found a um there is this just gorgeous uh version of this uh, this high school choir did it and like oh full yeah. on is it the one with the orchestra yeah yeah it was amazing I need to find it's that again so good it was so awesome. But yeah, this song is so catchy and it's so cute. And, and they're all trying to be like little, like, you know, I'm better than you diva ish, but they're so just cute in doing it. And at the ending when, when, oh, who does Blaine try and like, he does the little jazz handy thing out. And <laughs> <Like, laughs> um, yeah, they're cute. I mean, it was definitely the, you know, what year was this? This was 2012. You know, 2012. Yeah. It was basically the 2012 version of anything you can do, I can do better. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's one of the highlights of the whole episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's delightful. So. And they're adorable. Yeah. I, I don't have much, like, to meta out of it. I think it's just a cute and adorable performance with them all trying to be a new Rachel, but. I did enjoy Artie's little comment with, you know, I mean, as a director... I'm very good at judging things. <laughs> I, I just, I really like that, that line. And it made me chuckle when I heard it. Well, let's talk about, um, uh, Blaine getting the new Rachel. Now, as a lot of you people have noticed, I have focused most of my time on Kurt meta and I can't claim to be like the resounding expert on all the Blaine stuff. Um, so when next time I get a real huge Blaine stand on, I'll have to ask them, but apparently Blaine being the new Rachel makes a lot of sense to people. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do see it. He's not going to like, Will's going to yell at him. You're going to be really pissed off at, yell, at Will a couple times. Cause he yells at Blaine a couple times. Um, for well, I've, I've never been angry at Will before and in the series. So this is going to be a new, uh, yelling at a puppy. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm trying How to you yell at a puppy. Don't do that. He's plain as precious. He is. And you're just, I mean, like, oh man, I just want to go and hold and hug Blaine through all of this season. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. The other thing that's going on in the Ben Kinley side, um, not counting, talking about the newbies at the moment, is that there's this whole thing that they won the national championship and now the like top dogs or something. I feel like this is the weakest part of the episode. It made no sense. Uh-uh. Especially since the whole hierarchy of the high school stuff hasn't really mattered much since season one. And they're kind of trying to bring it back. So they're all really yeah. popular now. But then, you know, of course, let me get into the, the whole Marley thing in a minute. But like, it just, it didn't work for me. And then they decided, you know, okay, we don't want to be cool. We just want to be us again. And... Like, I mean, for the past three years, were they really yearning to be friends with mean cheerleaders? They already had Santana. They didn't need new mean cheerleaders. I do like the Brittany at some point. She's like, well, I was always popular. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> but, like, I, ju- I just don't understand why they were so eager to hang out with these very obviously terrible people. Especially when like, most of them didn't, like, Artie, I can kind of see, but just look how uncomfortable Sam and, and Blaine are during most of the interactions with the cheerleaders. It just, like... Right! But also, like, does Sam not know these people? Doesn't he still play football? I don't did know. That, I don't think he change? does. Well, I mean, and the, the new, like, popular group that they're hanging out with is new anyway, so we don't know. Right. It's not like they're old school popular people. I mean, these are not, you know, strange seniors that we've never seen. These are, like, weird-ass 14-year-olds who are like, we're cool. I'm like, no, you're 14. There's no way that you're cool. Exactly. <laughs> well, and even when they return the slushy stuff to, to Marley and Unique, I mean, I, I get it. It's supposed to be a way of introducing them, but, like... I did find that kind of funny. No. Oh, you did? I did. I was like, this is okay, whatever. Well, I think because I binged it, I, I think, like, it didn't, it made sense to me, but, like, I didn't, like, it didn't phase me at all. So that's probably where I am because I binged it. It's a very, it's a very different experience binging it versus watching it week after week. Yeah. You know, because a lot of things, I know that a lot of shows that I've, binged um there are things that looking at it objectively i could see like oh that would piss people off when it was airing but because i'm just like well netflix says in 10 seconds it's going to go to the next episode so i don't really care (laughs) so like so like as an example i did not watch um the office for most of the time that it was airing but i i binged it all on netflix And so I can totally see, like, if I was, you know, watching it at the time, I'd be super pissed off when Jim goes to another office. But, like, watching it in binge format, I don't really care. It's going to be over in seven episodes. That's about the time that it'll take me to eat my dinner. So it's fine. (laughs) All right. So um, let's do the newbies first, and then we'll get to – I promise we will talk – I mean, I hope you guys don't have anywhere to go because I have a lot to say. Um, But I just want to kind of get this in there. Okay. So here's the thing. They decide that they want to introduce these new characters. And so, and and it feels like a lot more, but there's really, there's only, I mean, Unique is there from before. So we have three new characters. Okay. We have Kitty, 
who is just an utter bitch. And the first thing that she does is insult Kurt. And I'm like, not the greatest way to introduce a character. I mean, I, I get that you're trying to fill a hole um, by with Quinn and, and Santana, but people didn't like Quinn and Santana at first. Okay, whatever. And then... But Kitty wasn't funny mean. She was no. just mean. And honestly, I was very surprised. Like, when I watched it, I was like, I literally had the moment of, why isn't Brittany the leader of the Cheerios? And then they come out with like, she is captain of the Cheerios. Like, well, this is not how it's being presented. Because this, you know, queen bee right here is being... Uh, story narratively wise is being presented as the leader of the Cheerios. It's very strange to me. Yeah. Well, and it's also funny that like Katie is one of the ones that really grows on me. I mean, like seasons five and six and whatever, she's fairly entertaining, but here, Oh my God, she just could just go away. She's just mean and not again. Like there are some not very funny. Me. Yeah. There was very funny just elements me. to Quinn and, and to Santana, but this was just not, it's just mean. Well, and I think it's because the first introduction is she's mean to Kurt. And, like, a lot of us, like, love Kurt. So it's like, no, 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 that's not going to work. So, and then we have um, Marley, who um, is just, uh, Marley's a darling. Um, she's a little boring. <laughs> I Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, the whole, you know... Does she get any more interesting? Not really. Okay. She she is better as... Because in season five, a little bit, she'll have these, like, little background moments or these little one-liners, which is really cute. But most of her time spent on the show is going to be in a love triangle between Jake and another character who comes in in episode five, Ryder. Which is very sad because narratively, the way that they... um, did New York State of Mind, They it really feels like they were setting her up to be the new Rachel. Yeah. And they, they don't yeah. go that way. I think a lot of, because so much time is spent, like, on Blaine being the new Rachel kind of character. Um, then, I want, then I wonder why they, why they did that number that way. Because just looking at it from what I, from how it's filmed and how it's presented and what I would expect in a regular narrative sense, what they were promising me with the way that they set that up was that she was going to be playing a major part. And that's not what happens. It's very sad. Doesn't it kind of like come to a head, like at Thanksgiving? Like I, I know Arby hasn't seen in the other episodes, but it, it kind of like later on. Like, does something come from it? Come from? I'm sorry. From what specifically? Probably like, like a weak character. Like, I mean, again, I think they wrote her weak in general. But it's, I don't know. She never really was entertaining for me. Well, she's not. You mean from her being kind of a parallel to a Rachel? Yeah. Not really. Um, she. And I wonder why they did that number that way. Because they wanted her to be the new Rachel. Like she was going to be the new forefront of these newbie characters, and Uh, they really wanted you to care about her more than anybody else. Oh, but Blaine's there. But Blaine's there, and he's far more interesting. And (laughs) Sam is more interesting, and Artie is more interesting. I kept I kept on waiting for Tina to take a bat to. Uh, to some of the lockers, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so Marley, 
Um, and you know, she's her mom is gonna have some of the worst dialogue. I, you know, I'm all for having a very heavy set, overweight characters. I think it's you know, it's in a, in a positive light, but I just have a hard time with some of the stuff they did with her mom. Um, it's not so much in this episode though, and uh, and it's really about her being poor. And her, you know, having this overweight mom who everyone makes fun of, which is, it just sucks. I mean, I, I don't like, oh my gosh, you know, people are just mean. But a lot of the mom is going to start projecting a lot of her own issues on Marley. Um, and it's a little sad that they take it that way. Um, but yeah, Marley doesn't really get to do much because she's the object of affection of Jake and, and Ryder and... In season five, I think that she gets a little bit more of an identity, but I feel like in a lot of season four, it's just her being, you know, in, you know, liking these two guys. So she unfortunately has to spend most of her time with this horrible love triangle that I'm going to whine about and not talk much about because <laughs> it's like the worst, my least favorite part of season four. Um, and then the third person obviously is Jake who is Puck's brother. And again, Will's, every time I think about this, I think about Will's god awful, um, where he cuts Jake off while he's singing the solo. And yeah. it's like dismissive. I'm like, don't do that. Let him finish. If you really like him and say something kind, don't just be like, okay, we're done with you. And then, you know, and you wonder why he gets upset. I mean, but again, you have this character that he's new and then he's just angry and pissed off. And I get, you can have angry and pissed off characters. I'm not saying you can't, but it just doesn't make it endearing to interject this in, in the cast and that you really like, you know, if I'm making any sense. It, it just, it's jarring and, you know, it's defensive at first. Like, why should I like this character? I, you know, he's already... Again, they just went with, like, the newbies in the wrong way. Because I know, um, like, in the sixth season when they find the other like newbies there it's like why couldn't they have found them first and then replaced them with the newbies that they did in fourth season oh, like they it, were cute i liked it, the ones in the sixth season oh yeah once everybody does and i know i will preface this with i know a lot of there are people out there that like the newbies believe me they have talked to me a lot of them are going to be on the podcast and talking about them but i think for me my biggest issue is that you have these three new characters and the only time they interact with the old cast is to insult them and they don't really have any interaction as like their storylines are individual and they are not with the rest of the cast. So it always feels, it feels like there's three things going on in Glee now. It is, you know, the college stuff in New York, it is McKinley seniors and then it's the newbies and that's going to feel disjointed for a long, long time. And I think the mix of that is why this feels like such a rocky and disjointed and awkward start. Yeah. So, so Lina. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, in a sense, like, again, they're trying to make carbon copies of Rachel and, in a sense, like, Puck, I guess, because of Jake. But Yeah, because Ryder's going to be Finn, and so you got the Quinn and Kitty. And, yeah, yeah. you basically got your same love square all over again. <laughs> love square. And yeah, it just sucks. It's 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 not entertaining at all. <laughs> it's like just that. That's why I don't think. I think like for me, like I liked the four season, but I didn't like the newbies. I only liked the old cast. So I think that's probably why, like, what I'm remembering. 
Yeah. All right, so let's talk about, now that we're, I mean, like half an hour to 40 minutes in, let's talk about Kurt and Klein and all the fun stuff that we're supposed to be here talking about. <laughs> okay, so, um, so Kurt's been moping around Lima all summer. Um, there are plenty of fics that probably um, talk about what, what life was like in Lima at that time for him. I think that while it was still frustrating to see that he um, that he didn't get into Niata, I do think that makes the season four story more interesting because he's still gonna, you know, he's still got a, a lot to go through um, to get to Niata in this first half of season four. And but so here's my other thing with that. Why isn't he applying to any other schools? Well, he did. He's going to Lima Community College. No, 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 no. But he's talking about, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to reapply to Niata. Why is he only reapplying? Because Why is it only Niata? in this version of New York, there's only one. There's only, I guess the NYU exists. I mean, but. I mean, bless him. But I kind of feel like this, you know, past season should have been a lesson that you shouldn't just apply to one school. Well, I agree, but it's, <laughs> Glee. Come on. <laughs> You're asking too much of it. I know. I know. <laughs> so, um, so he's, um, wandering around the schools and he's in denial apparently because he's just so excited to be there. He goes to, uh, this cracks me up, but we gotta talk about this for a second. He goes to visit Sue and Sue has had her baby. Did any of us remember that Sue was pregnant? <laughs> I didn't. Like, I remember it because I binged it, but like, She's in that one episode, and then you never hear of her again. Yeah. I mean, they mention her maybe once or twice in the rest of the season, yeah. but it, it, she never, I mean, Sue doesn't really talk about ever being a mom, so I hope somebody is taking care of this child, because. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like the child is about as real as Niata is. <laughs> They're both figments of our mass hallucination. Oh, you know what I forgot, though? We have oh, to back up before, because I can't go... Oh, my God. Uh, somebody would yell at me if I did not mention this. Before, he's walking around school, and he's talking to Rachel, because he's, like, her emotional support every three hours. <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going now. <laughs> All right, so he's talking to Rachel, and, like, she's talking about seeing Brody... And he refers to Brody in the nude and his thing as a twinkle tube. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> oh, that's a good phrase. <laughs> I'm trying mm. to behave. It begs the question, what did he name Blaine's? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like it would depend on the situation. There's probably a number of little pet names. Yeah. It's a shame we never get to hear any of that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm not sure if fandom could have handled knowing what Blaine had nicknamed Kurt's dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know that I'm, I'm not sure that fandom would have survived knowing what the pet name was for his twig and plums. <laughs> Oh, man. So anyway, I just had to point that out. I mean, I kind of feel like he probably just referred to it as his bulging pink fun sack. Oh, my God. 
I set myself up for that. You did. I mean, you opened the door and invited me in. <laughs> and inside you and find it, a and twinkle tube. Squeeze the fun sack, glitter comes out. So it's it's pretty solid. It's a good choice. All right. We're going to unicorn all over this. Or if you're Brittany, you're going to buy corn all over it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was behaving myself, and then you wanted to bring it up. It's your fault. I blame you. I had to bring it up. I could not bring it up. <laughs> I, I can't believe I almost forgot to bring it up, actually. <laughs> I feel like this should have been a specific point on your notes. I know. Why did I not have it on my notes? Oh, my God. Okay, so um, we have Kurt with, and basically the scene is just here for exposition to say that he's still, you know, hanging around Lima and waiting for his college um, classes to start. And Sue kind of gets on him about, like, what are you doing? Go off and do your dream. Like, why are you even, even here? I mean, she has a point. She does. And it speaks to the, you know, special bond that Sue and, and Kurt have. I mean, I really enjoy Sue. Um, something else I want to mention about Kurt before we go on to the live bean scene. This is where Chris had another growth spurt. And he's, um, I don't know if he's much taller, but he's definitely a lot thinner and a lot more older looking. A lot older. A lot more. Oh. A lot older. A lot older looking. That's, I, I know, that's being awkward. I, oh, man, I am the queen of the awkward sentence structure. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, and his hair is a little different. And I remember, um... At the time, it looked he, he's gotten highlights in his hair, and he claimed that that was natural, and we all did not believe him. So yeah, because we all we all remember the speech that he gave to Sam. He knows when it comes from a bottle. <laughs> exactly. And we all know when it comes from a bottle. We do all know when it comes from a bottle, but because I mean, what did he do? Stay out in the bright, shining sun? You know of what Ohio? he did? I I know what he did. He was on his tour because I met him the week before this was filmed. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. So. That's cool. Yeah. Because I remember that because I was on the end of the tour and I met him and then like the next week they're like, oh yeah, please do what it's filming now. I was like, holy crap. And I will always remember <laughs> that and I always remember that. <laughs> it's been five nope. years. Oh my God. I absolutely love the highlights. I wish they stayed throughout the season, which they didn't. They were only in like, what, six episodes? And then they, like, disappear? Yeah, they do. And he's got some interesting hairstyles in the, in the beginning of season four. Um, he's in, oh, I found season four. Like, I, I, I think, like, season two and season four, I think I liked it. It was it was cool. I liked it. But. Um, yeah, he's going to have some interesting hairstyles, too. It's kind of down, whereas eventually it'll go way. Oh, no, except for the one that the, the later on scene when it's, like, standing, like, ten feet high. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and he's much, the, his look has toned down quite a bit too. I mean, it's not, I, he, he'll, he will wear some stuff in, in three, like the hippo brooch comes back, but all mm -hmm. of his outfits are much more toned down than they have been in, in a bunch of other seasons. Um, which reminds me, I feel bad. I haven't talked about Blaine's fashion, but I'm, I'm only like, it's so funny because I started focusing on it because people came talking to me about Kurt's fashion. And I'm not really good at clothes meadow, but I've noticed it now. So I, I feel really like know. that could solidly be its own. Oh yeah, you know, its own thing. With well, with some people who are really solid into it, because uh, if if you were to ask me, I'd be like, it looks nice. 
<laughs> so you need people who can remember things like, well, they were wearing this color while they were doing this action, which indicates this feeling because I'm like, I like pins, <laughs> which is, n- is not really adding to the conversation in any sort of constructive manner. I, yeah, I've well, just been, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I kind of remember, I don't know if it's like all throughout like the like seasons that Blaine is in, but like, I swear, like a lot of his outfits have the Dalton colors in it. Like it's all like, there's tons of uh, like um, outfits that he wears that are either red or white, blue or white, or a combination of the three. He also gets a lot of, um, it's more so, well, now there's a couple of crazy ones in season three. He gets these funky patterns. Like, they give yeah. him such just interesting things to wear because it's all. Well, I mean, his style is basically preppy granddad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you yeah. already noticed he's not really wearing bow ties in this episode, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and- but I don't think his pants were an appropriate length. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course not. You always have to see his ankles. I mean, I I, I get the whole Victorian, we're going to see some naughty ankle action, but <laughs> all I want is for him to wear appropriately linked pants. Some hot flashes. Never going to happen, honey. I mean, plus it makes him, plus, you know, pants that link make you look shorter, and he does not need any help looking shorter. No, then that's true. He is a he is a tiny Muppet anyway. He's so a tiny little he, he, I am. I feel like Tim Gunn would be very disappointed and tell him that not even he could make this work. Like wear pants an appropriate length. Oh. That's true. Okay. Um, so we get into the line of being seen, and let's take a second to talk about Brittany and Blaine talking. And Brittany's talking about missing Santana. And you know, she says, what does she say about the scissoring? Like, it's hard to scissor over Skype. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't scissor a computer screen or something? Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Um, and Kurt's working at the Lima Bean. And as cute as a little barista. You know, and this is the thing. Like, he did the application for Lima Bean way back in Hold On to 16, which was the eighth episode of season three. So, it makes me wonder when he started. Was this just a summer thing? Did he start working before that? Um, I don't know. But it's also like Sebastian had also said, you know, you don't have anything in your future. You're going to go nowhere and you're going to work in the lima bean and do nothing. Um, and I think this plays into Kurt's mentality a little bit. Like he kind of is, I, I, mean, I don't want to say given up, but. Kurt's kind of living the life of the Lima loser that they had always railed against. Yeah. And yeah. he was always so dead on, like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go do things. And now he's walking in the schools and working in the local coffee shop and has almost like, he comes down to talk to, to Blaine and, and Brittany and he's like, who's excited about auditions? And they're like, okay, not us. And yeah, it's, it's almost like Kurt has, begrudgingly accepted this as if this was his new life. Well, I mean, it's it, one part is begrudgingly accept. The other is overcompensating by really leaning into it. Right. You know, if this is your lot in life, he's fine. He's going to do it. He's going to be working in a coffee shop. He's going to be super excited about 
these auditions because it was the best time of his life, obviously because everything is going wrong now. So he's going to make sure that everything is great for people who are still living it since he can't still live it. And it's, it's very exhausting and it's very kind of sad because we all know that he would much rather be doing anything else, but he's not going to let himself feel those feelings because those feelings hurt. And that's a big thing with Kurt, especially in this season. That That's a really, really, really great point. Kurt doesn't like to feel things if it, if it, you know, he has spent a very long time like shutting, you know, this feels awful. I'm going to, you know, not feel that way and I'm going to be defiant and I'm going to go out and I'm going to pretend everything is awesome. He did that in season one when he, he was getting thrown in dumpsters, you know, he's like, whatever, I'm, this sucks, but I'm You're not all going to work guys. for me. Yep, exactly. And he's kind of doing the same thing here. And it's kind of also going to be a theme that comes up when, when through the breakup, because that is, we're moving on the edge of that. And, yeah. um, it is I mean, all, when, when things happen to Kurt, his way of dealing with it is quite a lot of push it down, push it down way down. Right. Exactly. Uh, and compartmentalizing it into some way that he can function. Right. And it's interesting because this is one of only, I mean, Kurt and Blaine are, are in scenes together in this episode, but not a whole lot. And they only get their one really big scene, which we'll talk about in a second. But in here, like they, they feel distant from each other. I mean, they've probably spent all summer together, but I think Blaine knows like, but he, you know, he's sad for himself that Kurt, you know, he says later on, you know, this is killing you and it's killing me. Um, he doesn't want Kurt to go, but he really doesn't want to see Kurt stay either because this is just bad, if not worse. So mm-hmm. Blaine, even though he's got like, he's, you don't see much of him. He does. He's kind of inward in this episode and you can meta as to why more so than, yeah, the writers just didn't have a plot for him in this episode. <laughs> so um, this is also, there's also just a shout out to, uh, Kitty thinking that the iced coffee was too cold. That was super bitchy, and I thought that it was funny. <laughs> I mean, it, it it is so mean and terrible, but it's such a thing that would happen that I couldn't help but help couldn't help but laugh at it. Somebody who has like. I, I don't work in the cafe part, but I have trained back there, and you just get some. Oh my god. You get people who are that just ridiculous. Like, oh yeah, anybody who anybody who has ever worked in customer services recognizes Kitty. <laughs> like we, anybody who has ever had to do retail or food service recognizes the type of person that Kitty is, and we can all think of one. It's like I I had somebody like you. All I wanted to do was throw that coffee in your face, but I couldn't because I'd get fired and I needed my paycheck. So I'm gonna <laughs> smile. And mentally, I'm going to be stabbing you with a million ice picks. <laughs> I, um, one thing I completely forgot to mention, um, when, when Kurt is sitting with Blaine and Brittany, um, Brittany calls Kurt out on his shit. Like, you know, she's like, he's like, oh, do I, am I pathetic? And Brittany's like, yes, you are. And Blaine tries to sugarcoat it because, you know, it's his boyfriend and he doesn't want to, you know. And, but Brittany just puts it all out there. And I kind of like that when she does that kind of stuff. Like, uh, dude, yeah. you're not, you're lying to yourself. You know, so um, the next little scene I want to mention was the audition stuff. Um, <laughs> let's take a moment and talk about Stoner Brett and Buster's <laughs> got popped. <laughs> you know, he put himself out there and he tried. 
And it was that's hilarious. all I have to say about that. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> there's not much to say, but it, it is it, that whole audition stuff. There's the girl who didn't like she just danced and and <laughs> Was it Artie or Blaine who was like, are there words to this song? <laughs> you know what? It's it's not like Britney or Mike or the one Matt Rutherford actually sang anything back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is not without precedence. And okay, so they have made a big deal for the entirety of the series that you need at least 12 people to compete, right? I'm not making that up. And so apparently they're super popular now and they have so many people auditioning. Why did they only let nine people in? I don't know. Oh, and there are only nine names on that welcome to it. They are still three people short of being able to compete. And if they're super popular and they had all of these people auditioning, which is what the writing told me, could they not find anybody else? Like, it's because they come in later. <laughs> it's like I mean, you wait. Like, like I get, I get it, I get it. But from a logical sense, and I understand that as soon as I say that, I have already expected too much from Glee. But from <laughs> a logical sense, it, they yeah, it they should sense. have had more people, especially because yeah. they made such a big deal out of we've and. And they showed all of these people signing up to audition. They were on the third page by the time Jake, no last name, just Jake, signed up. Well, they <laughs> purposely did not put his last name because you have to I wait know, till I, the reveal. I, I, yeah, I get that. Big surprise. Ooh, it's so shocking. But by the time he put his name on there, they were already three pages deep of people who wanted to audition. Yeah, and we only see four auditions. And Sugar can't sing. She's tone deaf. Have we ever actually heard teen jesus sing i don't know but of all of these you know we're gonna be very discerning now we're only gonna let in nine people even though we need 12 to compete it's just dumb well it is dumb because here's my thing okay so they have all of this interest they've been struggling for years to have interest but they have all this interest and you could probably build this up to it because 12 glee members even though that's a that's a minimum most show choirs they have like have had more. 90 Do people. Do you remember how many people were in vocal adrenaline? Like 90 a people. Bunch. A bunch. And so to have a really, really good show choir, you need a lot of voices. That's why when yeah. you listen to like the very early season one songs, you can tell that they um, have like uh, 10 to 15 studio vocalists singing oh, and yeah. they, they double it and triple it because oh, to yeah. have a full sound, you have, you need to have like 90 people. And the fact that Will had this opportunity to fill his choir with like 90 students and chose and not to is just mind blowing to me. So, like, and really, like, you I already had those eight there. He only really chose Marley out of like the new ones right. because Wade Unique was already there. So, you already had the reoccurring cast and then him, her, and then it's like, it makes absolutely no sense. I don't get it. Like that was of all of the weird things. That's the one that I didn't get the most because come on, you had yeah. all of these people auditioning. You were cool. Why didn't you use it? It's because you're terrible. Will you are terrible and you make poor life choices. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he does. But anyway, uh, so Kurt's there helping with auditions and, uh, 
yeah, okay. I'm not going to even, there's not even much to say about it because, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he and Blaine are sitting next to each other. It's cute. And, like, I like how Kurt is like, that was rude. <laughs> and Jake knocks over the stand or whatever he does. Um, there's also the little tiny scene where Blaine is announced. Well, here's my thing. Okay, so here's the little tiny scene where Blaine's announced that he's the new Rachel. And we have Kurt organi- organizing the sheet music by, why is he doing it? But this time, it was so, he never does it. Okay, I worked with sheet music for a long time. You do it by artist and then maybe by yeah. genre. By emotion or whatever he's doing. I was like, what the no. hell are you doing? Um, um, but, um, I've, I've also often joked, this was a long time fandom joke because the stills for the, the BTS stills came out for this, that Kurt's hair is super high. So the higher Kurt's hair gets, the more gelled Blaine's does. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, I completely forgot to mention though, in the new Rachel scene where Artie gives Blaine the title of new Rachel and he, he's like, uh, uh, Tina had given him, like, this cake or something, a cupcake or something. And, yeah. and I don't remember who came in second, but Artie's like, no, you weren't second. And in she's like, I came in third. And he's like, let's not talk about third and fourth. <laughs> so she takes the cupcake away. It's just a funny, cute little moment that I completely blew trying to explain. But, you know, it's there. Um, the only other thing in this scene, though, is the, that Kurt has this weird remembrance of what high school was like already. Because he does, and, and it kind of comes up in the It's Time scene. He mentions, because they're all, you know, arguing about the new Rachel stuff, and he's like, this was about, you know, accept, this group was about acceptance, not fighting with each other. And I'm like, really? Was it hurt? <laughs> like, what are you remembering? And I and I always thought, you know, maybe it's just, this is the first time he ever felt accepted into a group, and that means something. But it cracks me up that, it, you know, from somebody else's point of view, it is something very different, so... And that's how Pam sees it. And that's how I see it. Um, so uh, we get the it's time scene. This is our one big claim scene. <sighs> you know, they talk about the, and the little scene that they, beforehand, they talk a little bit about um, Kurt giving Blaine advice on being the new Rachel and saying, hey, try and include everybody. Um, I don't think Blaine would really have that big of a problem, but, you know, it goes along with the plot that they've been doing. And then, this is when Blaine says, look, you know, this is kind of sad and pathetic. You need to go out. And as much as it's going to, you know, kill me to do, to say this, you know, it's time for you to move on. As And hence they, they sing the song. I re- yeah, I really like that song. Um, I think, of course, it's always a, a good song when it's in the courtyard. But um, they I do think good, good courtyard scenes. Yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Those two use the courtyard scenes a lot. <laughs> well, did I tell you my theory about? Oh, I have to. I, I don't think I put this in the notes. My theory about the courtyard scene. Okay, so go ahead. This is my thing. Right Somewhere only we know. First time he sings to Kurt is that it, um, it's Kurt's coming back to McKinley. Blaine is still in Warbler Land, so they're separated. Okay. Then he sings. It's not unusual, and Blaine comes back to McKinley, and they're together again. And then Blaine sings It's Time, and Kurt goes to New York, and Blaine stays in, in the McKinley. And then they sing, in season five, they'll sing Gotta Get You Into My Life, and they sing it together, and they both leave McKinley. Oh my gosh, wow. Huh. How's that uh, for meta? I've never even made that connection before. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I think when I was doing the meta for this one, I, it just popped in my head. I'm like, oh my God, the Glee writers are secretly brilliant. Not really, probably, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, this song is all, it's interesting because it's kind of about both of them. It's kind of about the changing of, you know, it's time that they're both moving forward and they're both making changes in their life and it's going to be different. Oh, feels. Yeah. But how cute well, is, is Blaine with his like jump rope and his little okay, cage? I am I was very impressed that he could double dutch. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably fall on my ass. It it has been a long time since I've been able to double dutch. Um so I, think I was the double dutch. Uh we used to rock that in elementary school. Cause I mean, you know, we got that and then you could do chase the fox through it, so you'd have to jump in and out of it, which was Oh, okay. I used lot. to be yeah, I, yeah. Love the skill. I was super good at it. I, I was not. I sucked at it. Uh, obviously, it has really served me well in my <laughs> uh, in my adult life. I often find myself double dutching with clients uh, just to make that connection. <laughs> the golf course is passe. Double dutch is where it's at now. <laughs> double double dutch is the new golf course. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man. But I was so impressed that he could do that. And he looked precious. And I really love this scene. And Kurt just has this adorable smile throughout the whole thing. I mean, it's so obvious that he loves it when Blaine sings at him. And I have, um, you know, (laughs) you're going to yell at me for being too analytical on this one. But I'm like, I'm I'm totally stretching this, I know. But I'm like, okay, so it's all, you know, childlike, and it's all, like, playing with cups and jump ropes. But it's also about, like, you know, the song is about moving forward, and I think it's kind of in an interesting way. Like, they are going to be saying goodbye to their childhood and goodbye to their teen years and welcome to adulthood, and it's kind of metaphorical in that way. I mean, I do think you're stretching it a little bit, but hey, why not? Oh, yeah, I am. I know that's not what they were going. The show does not. Yeah, I'm totally off the deep end. But, um, but yeah, it's it's bittersweet. And a goodbye to Clean as we know. Because this is their last scene together before they, before things get really, really sad. Damn it. Now you've stuck into my head. It's the end of the Clean as we know it. It's the end of the Clean as we know it. And I feel fine. Do we feel fine, though? No. No. It's sad. Um... The the other really sad thing about the scene is it's just it is the end. It well, first of all, I said it was a mirror image to somewhere only we know, um, where they hug at the end because it's um and the, and somewhere only we know Kurt was at McKinley and he was coming back and he was accepted and whatnot, and now we've got the flip of it and he hugs Blaine but Kurt's leaving and it's going to be different again and yeah, lots of feels. Um, they cut away from the scene early. There is, There are two lines that they cut out, which is really sad. I wish they had kept this in here. Um, but when they hug, Kurt says, I'm going to miss you so much. You really are a star. And Blaine says, in your mind, you always will be. No. Okay, why did they keep that in there? Because <laughs> they're evil. No, I'm kidding. Well, they cut out the best scenes, and they're all clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wish, I wish I had, because it does feel like it cuts away really quickly. And I'm like, really? You couldn't, like, make this the, this episode, like, three seconds longer and add that in there? Whatever. But um, on a um, more fun note, 
before we get to the Bert scene. This is the song that um, my make my four year old niece listen to all the time. Um, she loves it. And she thinks it's the most fantastic thing ever. And at the end, she knows that like because the hug part is still in there, and that's hug Aunt Pammy time. So we get to you, you listen to it's time, and then you Aww. hug the person that you're watching it with. Aww. So <laughs> I've trained her. Okay, so we get the um, we get the Bert and and Kurt scene. And while I think this is the most ridiculous, like, what are you thinking, Bert, sending your kid, 18-year-old kid, to New York alone with just a credit card? <laughs> but only for emergencies. <laughs> for emergencies. You got two weeks in a hotel, kid. Find a place and a job. Go for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like you don't have any connections anywhere. No. That, you guys, please don't, I mean, unless, you no, know, you know somebody, if you decide to do that, please just don't go to New York with a credit card and a dream. <laughs> It'll work for you. <laughs> you will probably be back home in less than two weeks. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean, this, this scene is, is incredibly sweet and it's, you know, Bert's saying goodbye to Kurt now and it's, you know... Yeah. Feels. Lots of feels. I, I think the thing that gets me is like, you know, it's a pep talk. It's kind of the same thing that Blaine did. It's like, hey, you know, it's time to grow up, time to get out there, time to go, you know, do what you're supposed to do and not stick around here. Like, you know, oh, I'm a loser. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm trying to think about it. Because and, and, Rachel, at the end of season three, people kind of do the same thing to her. They're like, you know, get out of here. You know, Finn breaks up with her. It's like, go to New York. And here it's a little bit similar, but I don't know. It just works better for me. And I don't know if that's just because it's Kurt or what, but. Probably. Bert. Bert makes everything better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And Bert adds like 17 additional layers of feels to it. <laughs> because it's one thing when you're. When your high school friends and your high school boyfriend are like, yeah, you should totally do this. Go be a star. It's going to be great because they have the same level of knowledge and poor planning that you do. But it's, but with Bert and Kurt, it's his dad and there's a family aspect to it. And you understand that, you know, it's not just friends saying goodbye. It's, I mean, they've, they've been Bert and Kurt for so long together. They've, they've been each other's person for so long. And then, you know, I'm sure that Bert selfishly would have loved for him to stay and to be there and to be around him. But that's one of those, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older and now I feel, you know, closer to Bert's age or whatnot. But it's like, you know that you have to, you have to do this for your kid. You know, what's best for your kid is to get out and try his dream and see what he can do with it. And so he's got to be the bigger one to kick that baby bird out of the nest, no matter how much he wishes he didn't have to. Exactly. And I think I wonder if both, I mean, Bert gets his kid on, on, on I want to say a, a better, different level than Blaine does. And again, it, it goes to the point where like Blaine and Kurt are on equal footing. But Bert's oh, like, he's known him longer. Yeah, and he knows yeah. that um, Kurt is going to just sit and sulk and be stubborn. Like, he's throwing himself 100% into all of the, like, auditions and all this other jazz. And Bert's like, you know what? This, you know, 
he would hate to see Kurt stuck in that life and not try because he's being too stubborn to, to, to go off and try. And yeah, this is him kicking him out, not kicking him out really, but like, you know, he's kicking him out of the nest. I mean, he's saying, you know, let's see if you can fly. You've got to try this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really love the thing that gets me is like, he says, you know, you can always come home. And then that's when Kurt gets out of the car and leaves and comes back and says, I love you, whatever. And then Bert says, alone, he's like, but you won't. Mm-hmm. And oh, this just gets me. That's like, Bert has so much belief in his kid. It's just amazing. Oh, Bert. And then Kurt says, um, earlier on the scene, he says, you're the world's greatest dad. And Bert says, I know it's written on the mug you got me for Father's Day. <laughs> I just, I love the two of them together. I love their interactions. I love their dynamic. Mm-hmm. I live a Burt Hummel appreciation life. I, I, I feel like any, any time the two of them are in a scene, you can't pull your eyes away from it. Yeah. And they really, they really lucked out in the casting of Burt because it could... The character of Bert Hummel could very easily be um, schmaltzy, could very easily be um, a non-endearing sort of distant. You could very easily feel that Bert Hummel is going through the motions of accepting his child. But the way that these actors play Bert and Kurt, it's... It's a joy to watch. It's very believable. And they give them so many different layers together that I 100% believe that it's been the two of them against the world for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love them together. And I, I do like that it doesn't... We get Bert and Kurt stuff all the way through season six. So... I like this is not the end of their story either, even though, you know, it's a different story, even though Kurt's kind of grown up and he's going to kind of be on his own after this. His dad is still very much an important part of his life and always will be. And I, I like that, too, that, you know, you can you can, you grow up and you get older and, you know, you do want to move away from your parents and your family and whatnot. But you can still be close to them. I mean, I know a lot of people who like go through, you know, go way far away from their parents, but they still like talk to them once a week on the phone or are close with them or whatever. And, and I like that that closeness is always going to be a part of, of Kurt and Bert's life. I would yeah. have literally destroyed something if they had broken up Bert and Kurt. Yeah. Like if it had been like, I'm 19, I definitely don't need my dad anymore. It's like, no, we're going to have words because it's a stupid ass decision. You're going to fix this. <laughs> yeah. Bert and Kurt for life. For life! Oh, my darlings. I have a lot of feels. The the last scene... Uh, oh, before that, because I completely forgot to mention it when we were talking about the newbies, because um, there's a scene before the last song um, where they all decide... We, we talked about the slushing already and everything, but I do want to mm-hmm. just throw out there that Blaine is the one that kind of welcomes in Marley and kind of is the person who's like... Um, taking on the quote-unquote new Rachel role, even though I don't think Rachel was ever this inclusive. Um, 
I'm sorry. Yeah. I find it very hilarious that like multiple characters in this episode were like, I mean, Rachel made sure that all of us felt included. It was like, really? No, what? she didn't. What? What? What vision were you living? Because that is not what any of us saw. And that's not what you as characters said in any of the previous seasons. Right, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I like that Blaine is such a kind heart. And he, he well, walks in. And Blaine also remembers the side eye that he got when he joined. I mean, he was yeah. looked upon with quite a bit of suspicion. And so I feel like. Blaine is one of those people who is a good host. You know, he he wants people to feel welcome. He takes that extra step. And I feel like part of that is knowing how it uh, feels to be unwelcome. And that's what he was going through. Can you imagine? This just popped in my head. Because we really haven't had any fanfic, you know, um, prompts this podcast. Uh, like what a, a Blaine and Kurt like dinner party, like a formal one would be like. <laughs> you can see Blaine just welcoming everybody, just very like, like hello, he, welcome to my Blaine home. Blaine would, would like, go if, the whole Emily Post route. <laughs> he would. He'd buy a book on it too. Uh, is it <laughs> how I mean, dinner they, party? They do have a new book that's recently out. With I think it's the nineteenth edition. Wow. You mean people still have manners like that? Okay. <laughs> hey, it's one of my favorite podcasts. The the two people who run the Emily Post Institute do one called Awesome Etiquette. Oh, that's fantastic. funny. I it's love fantastic. It. I mean, I'm one of those people who does have personally engraved stationery to send my thank you notes on. But oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I am one of those people. Um, but Blaine would totally be one of those people. I mean, he would, you know, have the proper spots for, you know, shoes and coats, and he would have little engraved menu cards at each spot for their dinner party with the proper lighting and all of the proper cutlery. And he would, uh, it would be delightful. He would be such a good host. Oh, my darling. And then Kurt would just shove everything in his face. I, I love Kurt, my little muffin, but he is not the most delicate eater. No, he would not. <laughs> no, it's I'm feeling sad. You know what I'm going to do with this cake? I'm going to put it in the middle of my hand and just shove it in my mouth. Could you see Blaine getting all huffy and puffy but trying to stay quiet and Kurt? We talked about <laughs> this and you're not. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> And Kurt with a mouth like, why'd you, why, what? (laughs) And he's sitting, oh God, you know, Kurt has probably been the one who's sitting on the couch, like basically vacuuming up a whole bowl of popcorn and Blaine makes the comment of, did you want to breathe in between bites? (laughs) Did you want to share? And Kurt's like, well, you never put your hand in the bowl to try and share. He's like, I was waiting for you to pass it to me. He's like, just reach for it. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, they have such different eating habits, my two little muffins. <laughs> Kurt has Kurt has never had a dessert that he didn't stick his finger in. <laughs> that's your hey, that's true. Yeah. And every time you every time you see him eat something sweet on the show, he has shoved his finger in it to like lick part of it off instead of using a fork. That should be I'm surprised we haven't seen a gyps out of that. Oh my I'm god, so- that would be great. 
<laughs> okay. So anyway, wrapping up New Rachel because we still have another. We have another episode to go after this. Two, um, two hours in, and we still have another episode to go. And I think that one's going to be much shorter. Um, um, the the last bit of this is um, is Kurt showing up in New York, and and here's the thing: he is the only character who does not sing his way to New York. Everybody else sings their way up the the stairs, and and Rachel even I mean she doesn't walk upstairs, but like. Everybody sings, and, and Kurt does not. He just shows up, which is interesting. I don't know if that what people who stretch meta more than I do come up with. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, I just think it's interesting. Um, I remember at the time, it doesn't it doesn't bother me so much now, but, like, it's just, it's framed like the end of a rom-com. It's like, like, turn around, I'm right here. Kurt, yay, let's, like, you know, meet at the water fountain, like, the, you know, two lovers at the end and whatever. I'm just like, okay. Come on, guys. I mean, it, di- it didn't bother me as much, but then again, I love cheesy rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. So... I think this is what, you know, you want to, and this is why it doesn't bother me now, but, like, it comes off the fact that after season three and everybody was so angry about all the censorship and then it felt like Rachel and Kurt were coded as more romantic than Blaine and Kurt. Sure. And this is, this is part of what it is watching between watching it when it was first airing and watching it now, because now I don't give a shit. I mean, that's fine. I understand what you're going for. Whatever. It's cute. But in the middle of it, I mean, these are the types of things that made me quit the show. The first time was like, this is, it's horrible. I don't understand why you're giving these characters short shrift. These storylines are frustrating and I don't want to do this. So it, it's, it's definitely the, um, the being far enough away from it that you can take off the rage goggles for myself and be like, <laughs> whatever, it's a rom-com. See, and that it doesn't it. bother me so much either because of the same reason. I, I mean, I, I, I like, okay, Kurt's in New York and they're going to start doing the, you know, Humbleberry stuff. And it's so funny because Humbleberry was such a sore point at the time. And this season, it doesn't, I mean, last season, it drove me crazy. This season, it really doesn't. I get the story they're trying to tell. I still think that they could have done things differently. I still think they could have added Mercedes and Santana much, 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 much earlier. I still think that the show could have been entirely New York and it would have been fine on my part. Um, yeah. But uh, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. So... It's the lowering of the rage goggles. Yeah, I think it's just also knowing, like, okay, you know. But when... I guess we also know how canon ends. Like, we know we can see what they were going for and how they decided to end it, whether that was what they were going for or not, you know, whatever. Um, but there's no longer the anxiety of what fresh hell are they going to do to fuck up canon this time? Exactly. Well, uh, and, and it's like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm, you know, frustrated, I can fast forward to season five and watch Garden Blaine make out a ton, you know? I don't, I don't need it the way I, I was, like, you know, the way fandom was desperately wanting more interaction at the time. Right. So now if we're going to end it like a rom-com, that's fine. Let's do that. Although they should have ended it, with like one of my favorite rom-coms, which is Kate and Leopold and have them uh, run to each other, but then go to the past. (laughs) Like go through, jump off the bridge into the magic portal and then end up in the past. And they're like in Regency costumes and why not? You know, let's just, let's just full commit to it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That would be one of your favorite movies. Okay. It's dumb, and I love it. Plus, Hugh Jackman is wonderful. Well, yeah. 
Generally, Hugh Jackman is always it is, wonderful. But. It, it is a dumb movie. It really it is pretty dumb. bad. If you think about it for more than 30 seconds, it falls apart. But I do <laughs> not care because it's delightful. Another one of mine that I enjoy is Someone Like You, again with Hugh Jackman. I know there are trends. There might be. Um, that one also is dumb. But again, I don't care. It's like I en- I also enjoy Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh my God. <laughs> which are at a whole different level. But you know what? Sometimes you just want soothing, happily ever after. I don't care how this, you know, is supposed to go, but I know that it's going to end up with everybody being happy sort of thing. RB, you should save this for your the Guilty Pleasures podcast where we talk about oh, Guilty Pleasures. It'll come out again. I've, I've got I've got plenty of water in that well. Oh my god. Okay. So um, <laughs> switching I oh. to something. Quickly, oh yeah, totally. When you said that Kurt didn't like sing um, when he came to New York, like oh I don't know how long ago I made this, but uh, I wanted to see the difference between how many solos Kurt had versus Blaine, and then their duets that they had together throughout the whole seasons. And Kurt only had three solos in season four. And I think, let me see what Blaine had. Blaine had eight solos. And it just like, now I I think I understand like why Blaine had a, a like a little bit more than Kurt because of like kind of his side what went along with um, the breakup and everything. But it just like astounds me how little Kurt really had. Well, okay. I will say, I'm going to say one thing about this. Um, This isn't at you directly at all. I promise. (laughs) Um, Because people, a lot of Kurt fans that get so up in arms about this. And I'm going to say, um, I agree in general that in season four, for whatever reason, I'm not going to speculate. Kurt has less screen time in general. Okay. That is a fact. And his, his singing does go down. But I will say two things that come to my mind about that is one, Darren was selling music and they were going to milk that for what they could. Okay. And two, Chris did not like singing. He, that was not his favorite part of doing it. And um, he's been interviewed quite a few times about like that's, you know, he only, he, especially he, he would talk about this in, the, in earlier seasons. He only really wanted to sing when it was necessary. So um, I won't fault the writers for that necessarily. I think that, hey, they've got this one actor who sings really well and his music works. Let's, you know, give him a lot because it'll sell. And we've got this other actor who just doesn't want to, you know, focus as much on the music. That's so I can't begrudge that the show when it was partly decisions from the actors themselves. So that's my two cents about it. Would I have liked to hear Kurt sing more? Absolutely. I think he has a gorgeous voice and I think, you know, he, he does he can do some really wonderful things and his solos are, are very, very resonant. But um, I do understand a little bit because of BTS stuff, why that didn't happen. Yeah. So that's just my two cents on that. And again, I'm sorry. It was not, at you or anything that was just in general no I I understand and like Chris has even also said that he's just always 
um, like been told that his voice isn't like pretty or anything or good. And it, it's just like, I guess like if you're in that position, then you wouldn't probably want to sing as much as other people would, even though like we know how good he actually sounds. He just, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to, I can't speculate on where his mindset was for anything, yeah. but um, I do know that based on interviews and based on, on things that he's, he has said and, and based on stuff I know about what was going on with Darren and all that, that there was a, a reason that he got um, less solos. And I, and I, again, I'm not angry at the show when it was something that Chris wanted. So, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, um, we we're talking about Brittany. We probably will not be talking about this as long. I think there's just a lot less stuff. Um, more things that I kind of wanted to skim through. So, first of all, it is a tribute episode to Britney Spears. Did they need to do a second one? I don't really think so, but hey, here we go. I don't know. I love Britney Spears, so <laughs> any, any, anytime they want to uh, to bring her out, I, I enjoy it. Um, so, what did you guys think of Britney's story in this one? Okay, this is the one where she's doing the voiceover but not actually doing the voiceover. Right. Which is hilarious to me. It's like, who are, who are you talking to? I thought I was doing a voiceover. <laughs> okay. That's been Blaine. Bless his little heart. Because he's just like, oh, okay. I, he's, he just he, doesn't he know just what to do with it. He's like, all yeah. right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. He knows Britney's quirkiness. Quirky's a good way to put it. I feel bad for Britney. Britney was obviously having a really rough time. Yeah. I was going to say, I actually really like this episode much better than the original Britney episode, to be honest with you. I think it's funnier. I think it's kind of crackier. Um, the, the Britney story, it, it's funny. She gets some really, really good one-liners. I should have written them down, and I didn't, which is really sad, but... But it's also very sad. I mean, she's not on the, you know, she's still failing. She's not on the, she's not head She created a new grade, an F minus. <laughs> and, and Santana, the, the, one of the cruxes of it, because it is a theme throughout Clayne and Finchel, um, is that they're apart. Santana and Brittany are apart. And while I'm not invested in them as a romantic couple at all, I think that the emotion of them being separated is still there. And it's it's very sad. This is a sad Britney story. It is sad. I mean, it's they do a very good job of showing what it's like to be the person left behind. You know, Santana has gone on to uh, what seems like, you know, a really interesting college experience. And she's really busy with new friends and with new activities. And there's Britney just waiting for her to get on chat because she misses her and she's basically put her life on hold which is so sad and I just wanted to scoop her up and give her a hug and tell her to go film some new fondue for two <laughs> exactly um yeah that last scene in the in the episode when she's just sitting on her bed waiting for Santana to get online so heartbreaking yeah and I bring it up here because they very much um, parallel um, with Rachel pining and with Blaine in, in the next episode. 
he's going to be in the same place too. And all three of these stories, obviously this is all going towards the breakup and this is all um, set up. And one of the, we were talking about new direction. Oh God, I, I did this in the, the other podcast and I hate that they're called new directions because I keep saying new directions for season four <laughs> and it's just being ridiculous. But, um, oh, that's the entire point of the name. I know. It's the new direction. But one of the, one of the resets is breaking up the couples. I mean, all of these, it was intentional that they made half of all of these couples juniors because they were, they knew that they were, they, I, I'm pretty sure that this was, you know, uh, something they knew they were going to do a long time ago. They were going to break everybody in half and send everybody off and do I think they knew it a long time ago no do I think that they had more lead time on it than some of their other plots yes okay that's what I mean (laughs) no this is not something that they planned from season one I know that but like I mean I'm not even sure they planned it from like the beginning of season three but do I do I think that they got the idea and led up to it a bit more than they have led up to some of their other storylines. Yes. Yes. So, uh, what did you guys think of, of uh, Sam and Brittany? I think they're precious together. I love Sam and Brittany together. See, and I, I think it's, I do too. I think it's a very sweet, like they definitely hear they have a very sweet friendship. And I know that I just know that Britannia fans hated it. So I'm always a little like, I'm afraid of Britannia <laughs> fans cause they're scary. One of the things that I really enjoy about um, Brittany and Sam's interactions is that Sam never talks down to her. You know, there may be some points where he doesn't quite understand where she's coming from, but he's he's not treating her like she's dumb. Mm -hmm. He doesn't uh, try to talk over her. I feel like he... I feel like he treats her with a lot of respect and friendship. And I like that interaction between them. I think it's a very sweet relationship, friend or otherwise. Yeah. But then again, Sam Sam treats most people like that. Sam is just a kind person. You know, I, I, I like Sam. He's darling. And I like most of his interactions with most of the cast. Do you like, uh, are you a Blam fan? Do you like Sam and Blaine? Um, I, I have not actually watched much Blam. So. Yes, I like Blam. I think, (laughs) like, I don't know, like, Blaine needed, like, a, a friend since Kurt moved. So I liked it. I liked them together. It was cute. Oh, I, I love them. I think they're adorable. And I, I, I just I love that friendship. So it'll be interesting to see. I, fe- I feel about them the way that I feel about Unique. I have seen bits and bobs of it that I hope that I fall in love with it. Oh, I, you know, do you ever watch like something that you've seen a million times with somebody who's never seen it before and you get really excited? Yes. That is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I have definitely been that person in the picture who's like sitting on the end of the couch watching the person watching it, and then they check their phone. I was like, you can't check your phone at this point. Yes. This moment is the crux of the entire relationship or the entire movie. What the fuck are you doing? And they're like, but I got a text. I'm like, no, you didn't. We're going to rewind it. We don't have to rewind it. We're going to rewind it. You need to yes. see this. Yes. So... <laughs> So yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to because I really enjoy Sam as a character, and I'm really enjoying I'm really looking forward to hopefully falling in love with that interaction. 
Well, I think you'll especially love the dynamic duets episode because I, I love that episode. Yeah, I, ha- I have seen the costumes. <laughs> this Nightbird. It is Nightbird, and Nightbird falls through a window, and it's fantastic. <laughs> That's not that episode though. That's a different episode. No, that's not a different one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's not. That's in season five. Like I said, I've seen gifts, and <laughs> I have a general idea. So apparently, I'm just confused. This is going to be so exciting. <laughs> um, okay. It's so new experiences. This episode actually mimics a lot of the big headlines the real Britney Spears went through. And she was oh, actually yeah. very upset with this episode, which is kind of understandable. Leave Britney alone! <laughs> and then the Give Me More performance. Oh my god. I mean, I mean, that's both funny and painful to watch because I watched that performance live when it was happening. Like, with, with Britney. Because I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, she's going to be great. It's going to be doing this. And you're just sitting there going, oh, my God. And so my roommate and I were just sitting there. And she's looking at it going, I, I can't look away. But this is not this is not going well. This is not going well. I'm like, no, it's not. I want to make it stop. But I don't want to turn it off. I want to see what happens. Now I'm going to search this because I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, I can send that. Uh, we, we can find that. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It is very painful. I remember I didn't watch Just it like, live. But... Like take out the Cheetos and basically oh, have it. Yeah. <laughs> but you feel that. I mean, I like I. Oh, you, you feel so bad. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a Britney Spears fan in, in her music, but I think that she got shit on a lot by the media. And I think that. It's very sad, some of the stuff that they put her through and that she went through. And she was a mess for a while, a long while. I think, I don't know, I don't hear much about her now. I think she's fine now, but it just, I mean, it it was a lot of, oh my God, I can't believe that you'd have kids and not be back in super skinny dance shape in like two weeks. What do you mean that you can't? And it was a lot of, it was a lot of pressure and she became famous very young and there was not a lot of support in her family. And then there was stuff going on with her sister. And like, it was just a lot. And I mean, it, it, it's what happens to so many people who are in the public eye without the sort of internal or external support that is needed to survive something like that. And she broke. And it was at a time where... Uh, you're just, you're starting to have things like YouTube and uh, people are starting to have cameras on their phones and being able to record things. And it was, it was just very bad and very sad. And, and then the, and then this performance at the, I think it was the VMAs. I think that, yeah, it was the VMAs. Um, and you're just sitting there going, cause this was supposed to be a triumphant return and it just did not work out that way. And it was, it was, it was very bad and very heartbreaking, very rough. She's good now though. You know, yeah. she's, she's finishing up her residency in Vegas and she has two very happy, healthy kids and she's happy and healthy and kicking butt, you know, doing what she wants to do. And I mean, yeah, more power to her. I love Brittany. And, uh, you know, and it's the Britney story at the end is also like about her kind of kicking butt and coming back. But I don't, uh, you know, it's one of those things that does Glee go too far sometimes. Does it, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can say it crosses lines a lot. 
So. I mean, Glee doesn't really know where, where the, the line-, line for tasteful is. No, yeah. it doesn't. Which, as a viewer, is sometimes great and sometimes <laughs> not. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention um, was her relationship with her phone, Kiki. Because <laughs> it's just really funny, the whole thing. I, I really, like, if you guys haven't seen, because we're not going to talk about a lot of here, but if you've not Kiki, seen it. what size coffee is this? It's a sesenta. <laughs> it's 70 ounces. <laughs> Um, oh, go back and watch the, the Britney portion of this episode because there's a lot of really funny Britney lines. And I, again, I should have written them down because they're really funny, but um, there's a lot of really good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in her story. And I think um, Britney doesn't get a whole lot of story in the season. She doesn't really get a whole lot of story in general, but I think that they do her better in this season than they had in season three where they kind of just forgot that she existed. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good things. Um, the other big plot line in this, good God, it's so boring. Um, the, okay, so here's the thing. I don't know if you know this, Arby. Um, before the, sh- the, the season premiered, Ryan Murphy was already touting Jarley, as in Jake and Marley. Yeah. Yeah. He was already like, you guys are gonna. Is, this is why I don't follow creators, because I don't need <laughs> to see what they think. No, you don't yeah. really. Um, you're gonna love this new couple. It's in, and before we even knew who these characters were, they were like Jarley, 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 Jarley. And you're like, God, what the hell? So, um, <laughs> I know I personally just think that you're just the most freaking boring couple on the entire show. Um, well, it's like a typical like sweet girl loves a bad boy. Like, come on, you can do better than that. Well, and here's my thing. They, um, instead of trying to take Marley and Jake and Unique and Kitty, because apparently Kitty's around being obnoxious during this, and (laughs) input them into, like, the senior stories and what's going on with Brittany or what's going on, you know, they have their own little narrative. And this episode was meant to kind of showcase them, I get that, but they aren't interacting with characters that I love. And I know that Tina and Brittany, like, sing back up on the whole Womanizer song, which is a very entertaining song, I think. But it's still, it does, it feels like this other show. It does not feel integrated with everything else that's going on. And maybe that's, maybe that's what made it so hard for a lot of people to connect with the newbies, is that they were, that they were having their own side quests and you didn't really have to interact with them if all you were in for was the Blaine of it all or the Kurt of it all or, or what, or what not. It's easily to ignore. Cause like basically, I, I don't know if there's much, I mean, unless you guys really want to talk about what's going on, but like we basically can ignore it. it. It is that like you can cut it out and put it over there and ignore it. Um, yeah, it's, it, but it's there. It's a lot of season four is like that. There's a lot of excess newbie stuff that, you know, there's a lot of good things in season four. And then to me personally, there's a lot of this newbie stuff that I just don't care about. And again, I know there are people that are, and I'm not going to like hopefully alienate them too much, but um, and they are more than welcome to, to say good things on the podcast when their turn comes. But um, I think this is a really, I think it is, I think for a general audience and I, I know that I've talked to people in the general audience that the change in season four and the heavy focus on these characters we just didn't care about 
was off-putting, and I know that it's why a lot of people didn't come back to the show. Which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also wrote in my notes the continuation paralleling of Rachel and Marley, and I don't remember why I wrote that. Which is really sad, but okay. Um, couldn't tell you. Don't try and figure and like, I write really <laughs> weird things, so don't even like it. <laughs> okay, um, some other random things. Um, Jake's arrival in the Glee Club I love at the end when he's like looking at everybody and they're all weird. Even Blaine is like, like who is it? It just cracks me up. <laughs> like, very strange. Like, uh, like this is a strange, really weird world, and why am I? I mean, here? honestly, I'm surprised that he didn't walk on, walk in on them all in the showers, since that's <laughs> apparently how we make friends and meet people in this show. Um, and then um, I wanted to mention that Joe, Tina, and Sam sing three. It's just, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's not really connected to anything. They're just singing it. Uh, it's yeah. a really weird song for, for Joe to be singing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> but, I don't know, it's it's there and it's funny and it made me laugh and I just wanted to point that out. We get the return of Puck, uh, which I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody was just, you know, on their edge waiting for Puck to return. And I like <laughs> Puck. I mean, I like the character, but was a very weird little cameo. It was, yeah. oh god, Puck giving the B-Man speech to his brother. Yeah. What the claim theme played? What the hell? <laughs> very, strange. very strange. Blaine doesn't get much to do in this episode. Um, he's really, really in the background. Uh, he has that voiceover moment with Brittany early on. Uh, he sings, this cracks me up, he and Artie sing a Britney Spears mashup with Justin Bieber, a boy's boyfriend. I did like that song. It's a good it's a good mashup. I just think it's kind of a weird thing. Like here's yeah. this Artie is, is Britney's ex ex boyfriend, which is funny to me. And then here's a gay man singing to a a woman in a relationship with a woman about having a boyfriend. Or I, it's weird. Or I wanna be your boyfriend or something and like <laughs> It's just so but weird. It's glee. Yeah, it's glee. <laughs> but they do. I mean, it's hilarious. They're really both Blaine and Artie are really cute during that performance. Yeah. And um, and then we get Blaine during the um, during the Gimme More thing, and there are so many gifs of when he like dips dips uh Brittany. Because I don't know. Yeah. Like he just looks just so adorable and hot in that entire in that entire thing. So. I agree. So, yeah, that's that's the uh, McKinley side. Unless you guys had any thoughts, more thoughts on that that I missed or that you wanted to mention. No, no I think we're good. Okay. So then, okay, so this is also where we get, yes, the new Rachel was definitely, here's the New York side and here's the McKinley side. Um, but with Kurt, you kind of had that bridge of mm-hmm. him going over there and him talking to Rachel throughout the episode and et cetera, et cetera. Here we get our first split. We get the New York side and we get a McKinley side and they don't really have any interaction with each other. The whole setup is really, I'm not going to talk about Rachel's plotline too much because it's kind of more of the same from the new Rachel, but yeah, she's still having issues with, um, with Cassie July. Uh, there's even more of that lesbian porno vibe going on, especially when she, Rachel's helping Cassie stretch. Like what? Who does that? Whatever. 
Um, I ship it. Let's do it. It's good. (laughs) I do know there is at least one fic out there. I will send you a link if you really want it. Um, So, yeah, the cards part in this is really kind of small. First of all, they get the loft. It's the first time we see the loft. I know some people really love the loft. I'm a little more indifferent about it because lots of bad things happen there. But um, I guess lots of good things happen there, too. You know... (laughs) $1,800 a month. How are these two freshmen from Ohio paying for $1,800 a month in this thing? But okay. No. Is it, is it canon that like Rachel's dad's help pay her? Yes. Yeah, it is. Okay. I'm guessing she probably has some kind of financial aid too, but that's not, I, you know, how is Kurt? I don't think that Nyad is a real enough school to be able to qualify for federal financial aid. I, I just don't believe that they have any sort of credentials to get you a FAFSA. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to think too hard about how they are paying for any <laughs> of the a, stuff that they're doing. It's a scam school. I love that they're in New York there and they order Domino's. Well, because the Domino's in New York is way better than the Domino's in Lima. And it's because of the water. <laughs> I did think that that was very um, in character for it because, you know, you have these two small town bumpkins who went to the big city and they they feel like they're being fancy, but it, it's not too far out of the comfort zone. No, and I'm kind of, I'm sad that they get, because in the next episode, they have all of their furniture and all of their things. And I think it would have been interesting to explore them being two poor college students and... You know, not having the trendiest loft in all of um, all of Bushwick. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, because yeah, that's why it, like them being in that big empty place and and not really having a bed and not really have, that that seems more realistic to me than all the fancy fancy stuff they're gonna get in an episode. But I get it. It's kind of like Friends. I mean, they can't afford those apartments. It's just whatever you have to go with it because it's a TV show. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kurt has his plans um, for the future that he is going to reapply for Niata and RV can, you know, give her a rant about him not applying to other ah. schools. <laughs> Why do you not apply to more schools? Why do you not pick a school that has an actual program? Why do you not pick a non-scam school? Oh my God. Nope. Nope. Pulling it in. Pulling it in. We've all heard this rant. I'm good. We're good. Um, and then he says he's going to also apply for a job at Vogue.com, which you can't really just walk into that either, but whatever. That will be for makeover. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, and I guess I'll probably bring it up in the next episode too, I actually went to Vogue.com to see if I could get a, a career. Just as uh-huh. a, you know, no, I don't have any, I, I have no aspirations for fashion at all. I just wanted to see if I could apply. And it's, the link is broken. Like, you can't apply through their website. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I tried, but like, for journalistic purposes, you I tried. You a valiant effort. <laughs> I did. Maybe it's been a couple of months. I should try again. <laughs> I just wanted to see if it would work and like, what would happen? What would, would I have to go through to actually do that? But, um, <laughs> then um, Kurt gives the backstory on Cassie July because it's something you'll notice, RB, is that 
Kurt has much more knowledge about Niata than Rachel does, and Rachel's going there. She's, like, clueless about the school that she's going to. Like, Kurt knows everything. And she's like, what? What is going on? Like, Bugs. Which, I, I just don't... I, I just don't believe it, because Rachel... Rachel would have obsessively discovered things about this. I mean, she's no Sherlock Kurt, but Rachel... Rachel preps more than that. Yeah, you would think. But she doesn't. Like, but the again, whole season, but it's Kurt's glee. like, this is Niata, I'm going to tell you more about it, and you, I don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe the reason she doesn't know much about it is because no information exists, because it's not real. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's got to be a front for money laundering or something. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, uh, Kurt fills her in on Cassie July, which is funny, um... Somebody looked it up. There was, they said that the date for this YouTube video was before YouTube was created. Yes, it was. <laughs> I might have checked that too. <laughs> because it was like, this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. I wonder if the oh, Cassie's backstory is also supposed to be a little bit Britney Spears-ish. Um, with her like freaking out on somebody. I don't know. I just think that, you know, she gives good yell face, so... Why not use it? So, and um, I don't know about Kurt's advice. Like, well, you know, if she wants you to be sexy, go take off your bra and go be sexy. I'm like, what the hell kind of advice is that? <laughs> it's the advice that a gay boy from Lima, Ohio got from Bravo. So <laughs> that's what he has been exposed to as what heterosexual lady sexy is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be one of the real housewives taking off her bra, shaking her tits and being like, I'm sexy. And so, <laughs> I mean, I, why wouldn't he suggest that to Rachel? This is also a lot of Kurt's not in about half of this season. I mean, he, he's, he only misses three of the episodes, but a lot of episodes he's got only like one scene or one or two scenes. And this is one of them, but like this, and they're all kind of like this. They're all the service Rachel's story. So that's kind of, I don't know. I just threw that in there because yeah. it's a thing. And I, I won't be complaining about, I mean, I'll always be complaining because that's what I do, but uh, <laughs> it's part of season four. I do want to, <laughs> I have to say, okay, we need to talk for a second about, oops, I did it again with this Rachel solo where she, tries to make herself up and tries to dance sexily on tables while Cassie is watching. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes it is. It's not how I would have done it. Well, it's intentionally bad, I I think, but... Oh no, they they succeeded in making it feel uncomfortable, uh, which is what they were going for. So that was a victory, but it was uncomfortable. And it's just the whole time Cassie is like unimpressed, but at the same time, I, that whole lesbian porno thing, is, which I will mention every time, because everything is like that. And then, you know, because, you know, she's like, I'm watching this girl. I'm sort of turned on, but I'm also pissed off. I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then later on with the stretching, like, <laughs> come here, help me while I yell at you. Okay. <laughs> and Rachel just does 
it. I know. I mean, without question. And she's like, you don't understand, Cassie. I'm really good and you just haven't seen it yet. Well, you need to prove it to me. I'm <laughs> Forget Brody, who's apparently in this seat episode But how too, can but... I prove it to you? I can think of a few things. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So, we could have had it all. Oh, we could have had it all. Stretching in the deep. <laughs> um, and then we get the end because, um, uh, well, I forgot. That scene is also the one mention of Blaine over on the New York side because Kurt mentions that they're doing Britney 2.0 and Blaine told him. And that was, the, you know, we were still at this point where we really cleaned everything. And we we're like, hey, like one mention. It was dry, dry times at the time. So then we get closer to the end, and they're painting the loft, and, and Rachel's pining over uh, Finn, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, Rachel mentions that it's he's her boyfriend, though I'm like, didn't they break up at the end of season three? That was, like, that whole thing in, in Goodbye, that, that they were done, and whatever, and... I just kind of assumed that she was living in denial. That could be, very much so. Um, and she's pining, and she's writing Finn's name on the wall, and it's just very sad, and... Again, Kurt with his questionable advice. I'm sorry, what? Loneliness is freedom? Or, you know, what? No. He's good at a lot of things. Romantic advice, it's not his strong suit. Finn giving her space is not giving her freedom and shouldn't be congratulated. What are you talking about, Kurt? That's what I wrote in my my meta. (laughs) But you know what the the cure for loneliness is? What is the cure for loneliness? Cake. Cake. <laughs> Cake is the cure for loneliness. <laughs> and I bet he'd take a full fistful of that and shove it in his face. <laughs> well, acting really like a crazy person on, on the streets of New York. So nobody will bother him. <laughs> Though I have to wonder, because it's just something that, that Kurt said, said, will say in season five. I wonder how much time... Kurt spends on his own in New York, just wandering around. Because Rachel's got to go to school. It's not like they're, and he says, you know, that they're not like glued at the hip, uh, especially when he gets to me out of himself. So I, I don't know. I feel like Kurt's been a lot of time in New York by himself wandering around. Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> so Brody shows up with flowers, and that's another theme of season four. If you show up with some kind of foliage, that means a bad thing. <laughs> all right good to know just you wait you'll you'll notice the trend because um, blaine will also show up with flowers and bert will show up with a tree and they don't end well so basically we're just calling it the foliage of despair oh <laughs> <laughs> yes yes we are <laughs> please let me bring my pain plant into this loft. Why, thank you. I so much wanted a pain plant. So Brody shows up. This is the only time Kurt's going to be happy to see Brody. No, really, because Kurt does not. He just is <laughs> done with Brody very early on. Uh, probably because mm. Brody has, like, no personality. Um, Yeah. For here, he thinks it's cute. Like, ooh, you guys go get it on. I'm going to go act crazy out on the streets of New York and get cake. So yeah, that's that's kind of the that kind of wraps everything up. I mean, later we have the there's another shot of Kurt too at the end when he's looking back at at um, Rachel being pining over Finn because it was just everybody had that icon for such a long time of Kurt looking back because it is a really good photo. But 
Yeah, so it's Brittany. That's Brittany, bitch. It's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> Unless there's anything else you guys wanted to add. No, I think we hit the, uh, the bigger hit points. highlights. Yeah. All right, well, um, I want to thank the two of you for, for joining me on this, you know, new adventure of season four. And it's been delightful. Um, join us next week when we, we go to the sad, start of the sad place of makeover and it's just going to get sadder from there on out. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. So thank you guys for joining (laughs) us and, and we'll see you next week. Missing puzzle piece. I'm coming.